Welcome to the Suburbs. I'm Kim. I'm Juice. And, and this, this is, is Suburban Pod. Pod. We're just two bougie Negroes trying to figure out how to express our blackness in white spaces. Follow us on Twitter at Suburban Pod. And follow us on Instagram at Sub underscore Urban Pod. All right, enjoy. I just realized we haven't even introduced you. We haven't. We just jumped hey, right in. I'm the artist formerly known as a light oh skin God, brother. Please Better known as the dark skin brother. Get deep out. oak mahogany, the one and only. What Blessed have we done? That deep, that deep oak mahogany is We're going to have to talk about son, that. Where did that To God from? be praised. If I was to say it in tongues, Shando Kiri Asa. Hey, my, 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 Shall we play the tambourine? <laughs> Devin Keith is the name I mean. I was going to say welcome, but you did too much. My you bad. did too much. I thought y'all said the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I got one pre-recorded if y'all needed it. We need to talk about this mahogany. Deep. <laughs> There's two versions. Deep mahogany. Yeah, deep oak mahogany. Why are you so jaded? Who Who took you to this place? Who got you here? Believing this is really weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, who got you believing? For those that you who are can't see me, mahogany. I am the colors. This nigga is peanut kiss. butter as fuck. Peanut butter as fuck. <laughs> if peanut butter was toasted with dark almonds, um, I am the it's color that Nutella. God gave me. Some <laughs> yes, that's it. Nutella mixed with chocolate. Hard. I am kissed by the sun. The melanin that runs through my veins, my skin. My pores is a blessing given to me by the God that I love and know. So I'm not sure how to answer that question. Who told me that I look this way? God. Wow. That was crazy. <laughs> how, how often do you go through that <laughs> monologue? You know, this this like, has to be your, his mantra, your daily. <laughs> is this your daily confirmation? You say this to yourself when you're looking in the mirror, don't you? This is, you I look yourself pride. in the eyes when you I say that. I see power. <laughs> I also know that when the sun comes back out, that vitamin D just elevates like a nice lacquer. It's like a stain, you know, that comes upon me when mm. I tan up real deep. Right. I get to that, like, I'm in that threshold of, like, early Idris color. No. With early the, Idris? Yeah, like an early British Idris before you start traveling, you know, like. Before you went out the sun. Yeah. I'm <laughs> 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 Like, in Wakanda, I wouldn't be on the council, but I'd probably be on, like, the second IT floor. <laughs> like, I'd work you a good in like mid-management. Terrence Howard out here. Damn, man. I was about to say something. <laughs> but I'm going to be respectful because you did your baby hair just for me. Always. And I want to let you know it looks beautiful. Always for you. Thank you. Of course. Don't nobody else be blessing me. <laughs> for the record, nobody can see it. I brought hey. wine. I brought some rosé. Oh. And nobody appreciated <laughs> Appreciated that. I appreciate it, bro. He oh, brought a cab soap. Why did you choose this? It looks sweet. You know, I thought black folks no, like sweet stuff. No, cab soap is not sweet. Oh. But thank you. You tried. I appreciate Maybe he doesn't drink. I really Never tasted alcohol, man. I appreciate your effort. I, like, I applaud <coughs> that because I'm an alcoholic. So am I. Okay. Um, 
we can work through that. No problem at all. <laughs> it's honesty hour. Yeah, no. I, it's, it's honesty hour. I mean, somewhere. we are going to drink this bottle tonight. Well, I am going to. All right, so tell us about yourself for real. What do you, um, who are you? What do you do? I'm a mess. Why are you here? <laughs> Talk to us. Give us a rundown. Give, me, give us a little biography. <laughs> I don't know it. I'm from the north side. <laughs> um. <laughs> Niggas always got to yell always. out Northside. Always. <laughs> Northwood, some shit. Yes, that's where I came from, always. Northwood. Belafonte, 31 to y'all holla at your boy. Okay. That's North. N-U-R-W-F. I get excited. You coming in loud. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Too much dip on Keep dipping. I think there's a, like a, almost quintessential and almost like a little bit lame view of my start where it's like, I really am a product of the village, you know, Stoner Field, raised by my grandma for a while. Mom came back into life, love, peace, happiness, and joy. Um, was scarce in a lot of ways. My mom was a hard worker, moved out to go to Sparkman, uh, which, it, you know, is the greatest high school in America. And, um... Y'all were a rival. Yeah, and, and, and got the dub. But anyway, um, I think of value, too. First of all, was Dion lame in high school, too? Or Dion? Dion? Dion, no. Yeah, that tells a story. Dion, if you're listening, you still my dude. Uh, Dion played basketball for y'all. Anyway. Deontay? I don't know if Deontay. Is your real name Deontay Dion? Like what happened to my man, the point guard? All right, back to my story. Anyway. Trent. Trent, yeah. He's still here. Yeah. He is. Um, <laughs> went to Sparkman, graduated from there, <laughs> went to a school called Sanford, and then was blessed to get a graduate scholarship out of that school and went to Boston, stayed there for five years. A whole bunch of stuff happened in between that time, came back here and became a city councilman. <laughs> yeah. Light flex. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. Nah. That's the storyline of it all. I, I really am, y'all. I've been, I'm a generalist in a lot of ways. No specialties. I've been a foster parent twice now. I drive the same car that I drove when I bought it as a, a, a senior in high school. I live in Northwoods. I mean, I live in Meadow Hills now, um, building a house. Um, hey. I'm just a normal dude. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> we are professionals here. Um, so you mentioned that your grandma raised you, and mm -hmm. then your mom came back in tag team after that. What? Um, Hell. I, I, you know, I'm one of six, so <clears throat> I really didn't get to live with my sister for a long time. I have four brothers. One of six. Five. Si kid of my siblings. So my. Youngest brother, Joe Ken, Filipino, um, born in Okinawa. Then my other brother, Donovan, Filipino. He's born to my father's side. Then I have an older brother named Chris. I met my oldest brother when I was 14. I met my second to youngest brother when I was 14. And then the youngest one I think I met when I was 16. Then I have another brother who was adopted at birth. My mother left him at the hospital, so he was a John Doe. And his name is actually Christopher Michael as well. They both had the same name. I met him when I was 21. And I lived with my sister for, I don't know, maybe like 12, 12 years. Wow. So it was a unique 
uh, upbringing I have been blessed and my friends, families really became family. Um, <clears throat> just a, I, I really am. I, I can't say that without mu too much sincerity, like from the most genuine part of my heart. God had really blessed me with chess pieces. Uh, people were really integral to things I did. Even signing my scholarship, going to Sanford, graduating, heading to Boston. I had no family there, no job, no nothing. Uh, it just it just worked as well. I never planned on getting into politics. I was I, I still to this day have no clue why I'm in politics. Um, <laughs> um, I've understood it by and by as it goes, and you see the change that is needed. And just like y'all like to just kick it and, and enjoy the beauty of your skin and your culture, I do as well. But politics doesn't allow that often. Um, I have to be somebody objectively different than the person I want to be a lot of times because that's necessary for progress. So it is um, it's sometimes tumultuous, and, and a lot of times the the contentment is that I'm just still alive in it. And I say alive, not literally, but like figuratively, that I'm still making progress. North Huntsville is truly changing. Huntsville is changing. I can see what feels like 30 years. It's only been three years of my life. And, um, man, it, it has a weight to it, but it's, it's so fun when you see something as simple as crime stats drop and property values go up. You think that has to do with you? You think you're that cool? <coughs> no, it's not me. It's just the collective <laughs> yelling that I do on the dais every other Thursday. <laughs> Are you opening I the am. gift? You thought, oh my you God. thought I was playing. Oh, my God. <clears throat> you thought. Um, do you want the other one? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I might got it. Do you want me to do it? I could do it with my hands if you like. I thought you was a jerk, bro. I'll just <laughs> serve. <laughs> I was just trying to save you, Miss K.I.M. Um, but that that <coughs> daily struggle of not being your whole self, it seems taxing. Oh, yeah. And you know that you, you get hit with the Uncle Tom comments and you get hit with the you don't care about the hood and all that type of stuff. And I think the, let me tell you, the real issue with like the awareness culture, as I call them, the hoteps in the African-American community who can Twitter fight and who can <laughs> Facebook acknowledge is that it's never solution-based. People <laughs> never say, true. man, police brutality is bad. And I'm like, so, you know, water is wet and, <laughs> you know, the sky is blue. And then when you tell them that the perspective is that you don't challenge authorities to make change through some level of reformation, some level of restructuring, is when we get lost in the fight. So one of the things I <coughs> remember early on, when I got that like police interaction that happened, which I've been through a number of them since I met Cindy Council, is that I challenged, I said from the day is, you know, we have a diversity issue. And most of the data that we've seen is that Across the state, um, when people, or across the nation, I guess you could say, when people increase diversity inside the police department, when you have a black police chief, when you have more minorities on the police force and stuff like that, um, you see a decrease in complaints. You see a decrease in the aggregate effect of b brutality. So what we should be screaming is like what happened in Ferguson. If you have an all-white police task force, they end up and they trend to arrest and or cite more African-Americans. When you start to matriculate African-Americans into the police force, surprise, the complaints go down and, you know, the citations and the arrests go down and the crime goes down. It's just, it, 
I think council culture has a value, but I think the the creative awareness culture has just devalued our arguments because it's just the ability to review. I don't I don't feel like cancel culture has a <coughs> like I don't I don't see the productivity in cancel culture because it's literally all just about protest. <coughs> it's never about affecting change institutionally. So like it's just literally yelling and then just going home. I agree. I guess I would say that the uh, that if it wasn't for Okay, so I'm I might get in trouble. Uh Sean King, if you hear this, I'm sorry, man. I'm you know, you you straight. I believe that the people who yell, like the Sean Kings who just retweet what happened, and the people who are in the cancel culture awareness groups are absolutely necessary for shareability. I, I don't know if everybody's gonna have the ability to be solution based, but I hate when people say that they're awareness to the problem is unique. That's my whole frustration. You can't tell me, like I said, like we talked about, barbershop talk. You, can you get through here? Sweet thing, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, you can't tell me that Thank there you. isn't, you know, just uh, an obviousness to some of the issues that African-Americans are plagued with and then think that you just wrote a PhD on it. You know, just because right. you were able to articulate it on a Facebook post. And that's my frustration that those individuals think that review type semantics are things that people in the I'm on at a good point. And then you be like, okay, next. <laughs> and there's no there's no accountability for it. I, I give you know who I really hate about that? You know who I really think should not be involved in either parts. And this is the extreme because in the nineteen sixties they were integral. I wish a lot of these pastors would just shut up. Yes. Yes. Just don't speak. But it's also because a lot of them are not on the progressive side of issues anymore. They are Preach. they are literally just Hey Tay Shavo Hoshe. Hey. Uh but yeah, now they're the ones holding progressive viewpoints back because they won't change their stance on homosexuality and tons of other things. I was about to say it's all respectability politics too. And I think uh, again Yeah, they're just pandering. I, uh, to their and the what happened in the non-denominational shift after the megachurch perspective, this is somewhat what happened to TD Jakes in my opinion. TD Jakes used to be really into politics. People forget TD yes. Jakes was ministerial staff to Bill Clinton through you know the whole ordeal, and uh, George W. Bush and Bush, especially after Katrina. Yep. The issue that really came up was the profitability of diverse, you know, involvement, diverse congregations, when white people started making church cool, like the hip-hop look, you know, the T-shirt, jeans. The hipster. Uh, yes! <laughs> they separated, which again, not to get into the biblical premise, the evangelical work of Christ in the New Testament, that it was their idea of being called to the poor is to feed the homeless, which inherently is a true version, right? But Jesus died not for his actions of feeding the homeless. It was because he had established a viewpoint against Caesar Augustus, that right. his that that there was a coming savior that was higher than the king. He was not killed for any other what we would guess you call service act. You know what I mean? Right. When he fed five thousand, they wasn't like, Hey man, arrest this dude. Right. He's doing too much He's good. doing too much good. <laughs> He's ringing the bell. Who do this guy is, you know? He wasn't doing anything like he that. He did what? Yes, he cha he challenged the establishment. Right. P 
Peter, all of them, the people who were crucified were not crucified because they walked up to the way, man, I heard you ain't walking. Uh, yeah, get up and walk. And I think the frustration for me is that in the established pastoral group that I operate with and have to inside of the city, they don't challenge any of the high-standing um, social viewpoints that are pentheticle to like what we consider progress. And again, I go back to, because police brutality is an easy one to pick for what African-Americans are assume. You don't come down to city council and say, all these police out here racist. And and think that like white people are gonna be like, I didn't even. I mean, I've what do we do now, it. man? I'm are so, you serious? I didn't even like. Oh my god, get this guy a medal. Right. But if you come down to the city council and say, Hey, why have you never appointed a black chief? Yeah. And then everybody gets quiet, like. And when you, yeah. Where the black people at? You know, just you challenge the action point. And we have not done that. And that's my frustration with churches. Like the guy who went to go see Trump. What's the black dude who cheated on his wife, bought her a Ferrari? Um, oh, uh, oh, I hate him. John oh, Gray, if you listen to it, wow. Who do you think I'm going to add John Gray when who I retweet this. We are, first of all. All right, John Gray, I want you to hear this. I respect <laughs> the consciousness of the awareness that African Americans and non African Americans should congregate together on Sunday. But to believe that you can lukewarmly traverse between a religious sect and a social sect and find balance in both is a lie. There are experiences that African-American experience which would not allow you to even preach almost a century ago to those individuals. And the progress that was made to allow him to preach in this situation was because preachers, preachers and pastors challenged the status quo. They quite literally went to Washington, gave Lyndon B. Johnson a pen, and were like, sign here for me. If you get a chance. Right. If you're not challenging Trump, I don't care if you talk to Trump. I don't care about right. y'all him coming to your church. Ask him the issues and why there is not uh, accountability to the structure of the things that he says and he accounts for. And that has to happen at the local level, the state level, and wide sweeping at the national level. Pastors are trying to be lukewarm in their political politics and preaching. They're doing it for the gram, bro. That's... Like, that's all what it is. Everybody's just trying to get clickbait so they can make this real money. And they making it. Oh, they making it. You, and they looking oh, fly, too. Oh, they, they oh it makes my Yeezys. stomach hurt. He was wearing Yeezys. Churches for show. Churches for show. Not that's all churches, though. And that's the thing. There are churches who are doing so well. But it's the smaller ones. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. But those are, mo those are the ones that need to be more... Uh, community pillars and local level because a lot of times uh we always did the thing where we only talk about trump we'll talk about jesus now nah, i'm like i'm <laughs> like i'm about to give you the organ like keep going <laughs> so like we don't ever talk about anything that happens in our community we Donna? expect everything to change that's a fact now the podcast is over guys. i graduated album a&m so. how about them book glad to see you again I haven't seen you since. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
I love it and I hate it at the same time. <laughs> I now want to go to UAH and challenge. Why do you hate it? Because I don't think they realize that a and is not the reality. You are not going to go into the world unless you live in like a East Atlanta. Well, not even East Atlanta really anymore. Unless you really live in a black community and be that way and it be accepted. I mean, when I moved to Boston, I was overrun by the perspective that a Southern black is totally different than an African-American black, an African black. If you've ever been around true Africans, Liberian, uh, Sierra Leone, people from Western coast, they do not interact with what we would consider a Southern uh, or an African-American. Yeah. They are very specific, especially if they're like a Harvard student. And what I learned is the HBCU premise for us, FUBU, by us, only works on the campus. Yeah. And that we don't, those kids have such beautiful minds to the specifics of what they want to do and how they want to be. But it's all, not all, a lot of it is centered around the culture that they were raised in in high school and the one that they perpetuate in college. But I think that's, I think that's just college mindset in general. Yeah. And then also, it depends on what kind of high school and other schools you went to. Because we went to a majority See, now school. that's the blessing. Yeah, so I got a mixture of both because I went to Gramlin and then went to A&M. But I grew up in all, mostly white schools. We we lived uh, on Bob Wallace until I was about eight, and then we moved out here. So I got a mixture of everything, and plus my parents are from Mississippi, so oh, you know. so my sister. Yeah. Yeah. We lived she from on Hattiesburg. Uh, we lived on Barnell until I was six. So it, it matters about what uh, – what schools you did before you got there. Mm-hmm. I, I think, too, but I, I think the saturation is a thing. So I went to Sanford, which was 96%. White kids. A very specific type Super of white, too. rich kids oh with nothing God. but fake friends. And they, <laughs> the, my, my first roommate, his name was Wes Nichols. Wes, if you're listening, shout out to my boy Wes. Big Wes, what it do, what it do. I think that there's uh, intense value when I met my first roommate, and he was like, yeah, man. Hey, you want to go to my dad's crib? I was like, yeah. You know, what's up? He was like, yeah, they just bought a new one down there uh, from a guy. And I was like, why are you telling me this information? He was like, because it's Nick Saban. And he was being so, like, <laughs> he was trying to show off his dad's crib. We get down there. And Wes's dad, Mr. His last name is Good, but it's spelled like good. Anyway, owns seven Chick-fil-A's. And three of them were in the Tuscaloosa area. And I had never met. Anybody with that kind of will. What? And then they hear how they talk. Now Wes runs one that his dad opened in Houston. And just the immersed point of how now the guy who's in with my Starbucks that we're opening up, his name is Joe Clark, was in my economics class. Hmm. Me and Joe, you know, I guess best man in his wedding, my homeboy. But if it wasn't for that econ class, I would have known Joe. And now we wouldn't have been business partners. It's, it's what, I, what I love about HBCUs is that you have to have an ability to know that you are special in a world that tells you that you are not, what I struggle with is that it absolutely separates you from, for four years, in my opinion, a reality, reality that you will not, es- you won't escape it. And when I got to Boston, I got hit in the mouth that even people that look like me think differently of me. Not, not just, I already knew white folks, but I'm talking about that look just like me. Successful Africans who are from unique backgrounds, who have a lot of money, do not assess African Americans the same way. I've, I've experienced that at a closer level because my older sister married a Nigerian-American. Ah. So, yeah, when she started having kids and stuff, it, that was a culture shock, and they eventually got divorced because of those issues. So that's a that's a very true point. 
But I think HBCUs give a certain uh, it's a it's a value to when you've been questioned your whole life right. about are you really as smart as you think you are? Right. And all these schools and all these teachers are trying to prove that you're not that smart. They go to a majority black college and they'd be like, "You're special." It's a it's a I don't want to say comfort zone, but it's like a it's a, it's like a safe space. Yeah, it is, it's and you need it. Yeah, and it's not forever. And I always understood that this is not the world that I live in be. because yeah, high school is like that. Your background, yeah, right? Like, so yeah. I knew that that was this was a small peak, but I was gonna enjoy the fuck out of it. Me and Terrell used to debate yeah. that all the time because okay, so Terrell went to Skeegee, I went to Auburn. All the time, he's like, man, you need to come on down to ski. Like, I feel like you really need to, you need to experience, you know, that black culture. Like, this HBCU shit is different. And I was like, no, I'm good. Like, I feel like I'm going to be all right. I feel like, um, for one, for me, like, I've been around both. Like, yes, I went to white schools, but I went to a black church. Right. My family is black. Like, I've, I'm used to being in black communities. You know what I'm saying? Me going to a white school is only a small part of my human interaction with people. So when he used to tell me that like all the time, I was just like, I feel like y'all be so like brainwashed. But and I know I I understand how because I know you know what I'm saying getting around your people, it's just that sense of like it's the classic inherent understanding and. You don't have to explain yourself to niggas, and you know what I'm saying. Like <laughs> right. being around white people, you gotta explain shit to right. them a lot, and you gotta explain your pain and your oppression. And it's not, of course, you don't have to do that as much at an HBCU, and I get that. But at the same time, I feel like that was over glorified. I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to say overrated. I'm gonna say it was, it was very like romanticized. I think. But we also gotta remember the nigga we talk about. I mean, everybody ain't <laughs> ain't that. But it's it's a, but it's a lot. It's still a lot. Like we get a lot of like flack for going to PWIs from a lot of HBCU students. And the thing about that, that what's crazy about that is we never P black people who went to P PWIs do not attack That's not other true. black people. That is not true. The way not in the same. It's not on the same level. It's not on the same yeah, level. Us, they ain't yelling the shit, but niggas do that shit all the time. It's not on the same like, level. I know tons of people. Like, I'm not going to a black college because. I, I mean, yeah, it. but they I've, be at A and M for that. every every homecoming I've event. Seen everything. That. I've witnessed that. It just don't be on the same level. Too. It's only because it's it's not you. That's what it, part yeah, of I, it is. Yeah. I actually agree with you. I'm gonna tell you because my mom was like, "You ain't going to the TSU." I was like, oh, but you went to TSU, you have a kid, they crazy, you need to go to this white school. And this is, again, the nature versus nurture, is that some people can go to a PWI and their nur their, the nurturing aspect inside of it allows you to blossom as a stronger African-American because you are the minority of minority of minority. Right. Some, inherently... Uh, you know, I know a few go there to assimilate what was already true to them. Mm. And I had met so many people when I got to Sanford that were black. And I was like, oh, but you ain't black. <laughs> I started the Black Student Union. Like, everything we oh, were trying man. to do there, man. You went to the Dear White People Central. It was the most, I mean, you got to think, <laughs> it, it, Howard University was a plantation. The, the, the school 
the people who started the school were saved by a slave named Uncle Henry from a fire. They didn't even have a plaque to the man's name. Like, it's just the stuff that you saw at Sanford just wasn't normal. It was extra white people, white stuff. People from, like, Coleman, Alabama, third generation Sanford. Mm. Like, Warlock, Alabama. And you like, nigga, where in the Confederate flag song <laughs> did you come from? No. But they be, like, Stars from plantation money. <laughs> Have you heard of, how, this is how true it is. Tell me you've heard of the podcast by Chloe's Queen of S-Town. Yes. Mm-mm. I have. I have not. You slip slipping. What is that? 2012, 2013, 14? It's not even that old. Yeah, it's not. It's been a couple years, but I don't think it's that old. Number one downloaded podcast in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. S Town. It's about a place in Alabama called Woodstock. The Burton family. The grandson that he, the Burtons they were talking about? Mm -hmm. Kenneth Burton was my travel roommate in college for for football games. No clue. From Woodstock, Alabama. That's the type of Sanford I went to where the people who were in Woodstock, Alabama, the most rich people there, sent their kids to Sanford. So when I got there, it was just like, are y'all white, 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 white. Not Nashville white. (laughs) Y'all like white, white, white. Right. So I think, again, I love... My HBCU and all HBCUs. My fear is that if you do not know how to assimilate in some value form or fashion, with the let me just say again, until you teach the Generation Z, you won't realize how dependent they are on social media and internet. That's a very important thing. Not their personal experiences. They are very dependent on their their what they see. And I think that's the difference also between when I was at A and M, and Generation Z, because they're completely different. Right, that's true. They grew up in a a post-Obama A very world. true statement, very true. Like, we were, I was a sophomore when Obama got elected. Oh, yeah, we was lit. Yo, that, that's, the yeah. that's the greatest side of you. I have we a picture. We talk about that all the time. <laughs> this is how good I was. I was just like CJ off of uh, San Andreas. I, was San Andreas. <laughs> I had on a white, I got a picture with a mask over the top of black bandana. And I got like guns on. <laughs> I don't know why all of that correlated to Obama. You with that person? Yes. He didn't need to go to HBC. No. That's what. <laughs> oh, and then shit. I realized too that like it was like tumbleweeds. It was like the day that Obama won, no parades. They like cut the TV off. It was like they like. All the professors sit there like, you know, class is canceled, state emergency. You know, it was just That's crazy. the other part of it, though. If you were lucky enough to be at the HBCU when Obama got elected. I can only imagine. You always would be like, no, nah, y'all niggas don't understand. Y'all niggas. <laughs> like, we were out here wild. No, Ten times hype. No, that was me. No, but I'm saying like, imagine. <laughs> PWI. No, but imagine the y'all entire school. Y'all niggas don't understand. <laughs> professors crying, janitors over there, extra sweeps. It's just. The black student <laughs> union, listen, it was a whole, it was a whole. And then it was weird too. Not weird, but it was interesting because there was definitely, okay, art major white people are different in art majors there was so many white people who were fucking with obama so it was like a weird unity like <laughs> your people won it was a very <laughs> like interesting unity Power to the people people that never paid attention to me otherwise when well, obama won like here's the crazy thing for me so i didn't stay on campus here so on campus had a different life from out, out of campus. Yeah. I hung out with all white people. 
for the most part when I was partying. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, white people be partying, my nigga. But then after that, that's when everything changed because it wasn't the same, bro. Yeah, it, it yeah, yeah. And it was then, all good just a week ago. And then so, <laughs> so I really needed that safe space you in those years. In those years, I really needed to be around black people. Oh man, to under like to Ooh. understand. If I could take you through my Boston experience, man, of like. And that's just the thing. I think Southern black people are Wakandians. We're, we're the real Wakandians because we operate at this level with little and turn into a lot. Where I've seen African Americans in other cities, I just can't explain to you how if a black person is called the N-word or have any you know racist type experience in like a New England city, it traumatizes them. Like th- just to hear this guy and like one of them spoken word things talk about the first time and only time he's been called a nigger. And like tears came from his eyes, and he's like, as I, st- you know, how a poetic black dude trying to make everything overly poetic. <laughs> and as I stood there, syllables sprang from his mouth. Blood of my ancestors ran down. My tears of deep depression and life shattered before me, as he called me a nigga. <laughs> I was like, nigga. <laughs> Is that it? Did he shoot you while you were running? Oh my gosh. And then people here go, people. Oh my God. Oh my God. God. The trauma. (laughs) I was a junior in high school. They ripped these these three boys. I never, they tore down my locker in in the football room, peed on it. Um, Took all of my letters. I was getting highly recruited. They hated me. Called me nigga this, nigga that. You didn't throw hands? When I was, I mean, these were like my sophomore year. These were seniors. So I went to the coach. I thought it was the right thing to do. I was like, Dad, bro, these some country dudes. They probably going to kill me. This is when shotguns on the back of your truck was normal. Yeah, yeah. Man, I went to my mom. And I was like, oh, we need to go tell you your coach and all this other stuff, man. I told everybody. I was like, look, whatever protocol I got to go through, I ain't going to die for this. Like, I was in that mind frame as a sophomore. Like, they really trying to kill me. You know what I'm saying? Nowadays, back then, I just didn't have that concept. <laughs> and my coach said, I'll handle it. I'll handle it. And then he asked me, he said, what did you do to them? Oh, exactly. I was like, I'm about to swing on you. You know, like, th- th- he made me more mad because I expected them. that from them. Yeah. I knew who they were. When you pull up with a Confederate flag with that, like, see-through resin Confederate flag mm-hmm. and then you got a shotgun, mm-hmm. that's a story I, you know out in Tony, Alabama. Yeah. So when I'm hearing this dude in a spoken Smells word. Like Sparkman. Yeah. Well, I mean, I heard about some things out here in the buck. Uh, what was it? It's half as bad. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. The black dude told this story. You would thought at the end, hung my father from his shoestrings. <laughs> this nigga said, and they called me <laughs> nigga. Uh, so I think that black people from the south, we just different, man. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We operate. We could take a lot more. We can live in it all and operate and keep it moving. If you can make it in, I, I hate this saying. If you can make it in Hollywood, you can make it anywhere. New York. Bullshit. People it about the York. councilman said it. If you black and you can make it in Alabama or Mississippi or Louisiana, right. you can make it on the moon. Right. Because Which, it ain't nothing in this world worse than being in these three states trying to make it. Ain't nothing going to test you like we these will survive southeastern we will. states over here. <laughs> Don't you ever tell me about making it in New York when y'all got public transit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Bro, I'm, I'm telling you, that's real. Y'all at least got, y'all got public transit, so somebody can get on train 
and go to every corner of your city. Around here, you bumming rides. Go try and make it in Sumner County. All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> you go. Uh, you know what he got? Go to Hattiesburg. Go to Philadelphia, Mississippi. Ooh. And she got the nose ring. It's just a compliment. Yeah, he was definitely giving. Did me you hear the compliment eye. that I? Yes, he was. I said you look good. Thank you, I appreciate it. No problem. I know you get that a lot. So when are you gonna? When are you gonna <laughs> see Marcus again? Ooh! <laughs> ga, 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 ga. No, I gotta see him too. I have an undercut. It's rough. Your kitchen ain't clean. It's not. That's good. I'll judge you off your cooking. Pun God. Wow, I definitely wasn't expecting you to be this corny. Pun God. Um, I'm a vegetarian. Are you? Are you really? I'm corny. I'm a vegetarian. Pun God. That's how corny it was. Bow. Didn't bow. Um, we have some questions for you, but you are a talking ass nigga. Wow. And. On the friends? next episode. Do you have friends? Do you talk to people? Or <laughs> you just always have this much to say. Like, Hello, lover. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I thought I had just got two here, but I guess not. Yeah, I have questions for you. I'm going to wait until Jesus gets back here. Do you care to talk to me? This makes me feel so special. I mean, what do you want to talk about? What's up? What's tea? Yeah, I don't think you want that. But I just what? made some assumptions. Assumptions about so me. So how's your wine? What are, what are the assumptions? How how's your wine? It's all right. You know what I'm saying? I'm not mad at you. <laughs> and you're also um, not happy or appreciative. <laughs> we do like red. You know mm. what I'm saying? So mm. good job on choosing a red. Mm. Right. Cab stove is typically the red that we go for. So also good job yep. on that. This is a blind gift, by the way, guys. We appreciate yeah, you, it. You didn't know what you was doing, did you? Did you ask anybody about this, or you just picked it With up? enough time, I can figure you out. Great. This nigga is wildin'. You sure you don't I drink? I think, uh-huh. You sure you don't drink? Never tasted alcohol. True story. Met my father when I was uh, 15 years old. The human that I saw was not a human. It was a demon. Beat up my um, thank you, King. Um, the things that he did, my mother, and just, just seeing the things that he did, I, st- I just determined I would never have a kid out of wedlock and never drink alcohol. And all my brothers, who are my, my heroes, when I say that, they have uh, children, and I'm like, I'll probably be the last one because I just want to do it once and do it right. And alcohol, oh, so I have nothing against alcohol. You out here wrapping it up. Yeah, I ain't on my future. Um, <laughs> So I, I definitely am more self-aware. Now, I have nothing against alcohol. I will drink it one day, but... At your wedding? Yeah, I get lit. Or at my bachelor party. Man, he gonna be wild at his if bachelor I party. Can you imagine, like, you done met me for probably the past hour, right? I've been trying to get hour, somebody right? to let me be Think their about best me drunk. man. I wanna be... I wanna be a bit... A tux on me, nigga. I will swag that <laughs> shit out. Imagine. Matt, can you see I'm it? not sure if you're trying to open up the door for comments, or you just want me to, like... 
hear you this out. Is, this is what this is. We chopping okay, it up. I'll just, well, this is what a podcast is about. Well, go I ahead. I don't want to go that far. <laughs> say what you want to say. I want to be it's somebody's tw- best man. <laughs> Let me do it. Why I, I can't I do like, it? I'm going to start talking through me. You don't know me. You don't know me. <laughs> this is the meme where uh, the you rapper, the freestyle rap, I mean, the battle rapper go like, with the hat on? Yeah. I don't know. No, it's not saying like I'm just going. No. Why do you say that? These niggas raised me, okay? Juice will tell you. This is my nigga. I am one of, I am, listen, I know women say this all the time. It always happens this way. That the Jill Scottish, like, beautiful, I'm cool with everybody. This is like a Tyler Perry movie. And then, like, one day, everybody like, damn, she's sexy as fuck. And she like, I'm just one of the niggas. And then like she goes into there and comes out in a dress and everybody are like, Damn. I mean, we always knew she was fine as fuck, but I mean she That's was what I'm saying. Dick. I'm always about like that. Man, keep that to yours. Like, don't downplay your beauty. I look good in the tux. No, you look good, like period. a woman's suit, but like tuxified. Alright. You know what I'm saying? Like blazer. Okay. Some wide leg pants. I would look good in a Kanye outfit. Bro, I'm going to Kanye the fuck out of my, uh, <laughs> out of my uh, suit whenever I get me. When you get my wet, I'm like, with no shirt. You know how you just wear something that's just like, like you went to the Met Gala and you like, what the f-? Just a suit with no shirt. I mean, what the f-? I'm doing the Rosewood Kanye. You out here doing the Pablo Kanye. Yes. Fuck boy Kanye. <laughs> Uh, no, but okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a manga hat on. Manga hat we, on. We digress. Um. So you were talking about your dad, how you met him when you were 15? Is that what you said? Yeah, I went in ninth grade. Eighth did grade. you, so did you, did you ever feel like you were missing something before you met him? No. I'll tell you, I, where I got messed up was that he went to war. Uh, he went out to meet all his kids. So we all flew out there. That's how I met my brother. My brother went to Butler. Didn't he know he was my, you know, I was just like. What do you mean when you say crazy? Um. I don't know if there's like a definition we could recite into the podcast. All of that. Um, he had drinking issues, mental issues, anger issues, pride issues. And the doubt, you know, for me was like, did I come from this dude? I think I think what happens, and I don't know y'all's situation, especially in, I'll just say, from the being a foster parent, is that we've normalized absent father to you. Mm-hmm. And we've exemplified absent mothers. We hold the standard for absent mothers much higher than we hold the standard for absent fathers. Because the story for I didn't have a father, but my mother was the MVP, I mean, it makes my stomach hurt. It's the most revered. It is, it, but it's sad because when a mother is not present, we demify her mm-hmm. through the abortion aspect. But that's because people hate women. women. I mean, I agree. Women always get way more flack than men. For I, but I don't think that that's a man thing alone. I think that that actually is a, st- I, I think there's a religiosity aspect to that. Very true. And I also think that women hold a standard of, I wouldn't do that. How could you? Because you know, most but of I the think anti-abortion. That's societal <coughs> thing that they put on women to be the nurturers. See, that, that's, that's, the, that's the trigger word for me is when you say they. Define they. Society. society. Define society. Given it a demographic and a um, name. Just culture, everybody. Americans specifically, especially. See, I, I, I actually disagree. The world. Nobody the, nobody respects women the way, nobody gives women grace the way they, gen, they give men grace. I disagree. And I don't disagree with the fact that grace is not given equitably or equality-wise. I think that, I'll give a quick example. I love analogies. 
You know who voted in proportion the most against Hillary Clinton? White women? Mm-hmm. It, it is not a group of just these men sitting in a room saying, let's demify women. No, but society is men and women. Agreed. So I'm saying that inherently the issue of women hating women is an example. It's also ingrained in us. It's, it's crazy. That's my point. You can't. It's like when women say I'm a feminist. Right. But then talk about women. Inherently, it's cognitive dissonance. And that doesn't mean that what you're saying is not true. I think black women are the are the double of the minority, you know, yeah. dogma in every form right. and fashion. But I think what what white women won't admit is that they're the their own biggest problem. Mm. Oh yeah, totally. But they I, won't admit that because they can't see that. I, I think some of them. I think no. This trauma. I, I was about to say some I, of them can, but a lot of them have to do the work with their sisters. Agreed. They can't do that until they have recognized their own privilege, though. Right. I think, th- like, having that much privilege and not recognizing it is what holds them back from being able to hold themselves accountable in that way. Like, if you don't recognize that you're a white woman with privilege just based off the strength that you're a white woman, you will never get to the point of schooling anybody else on how not to be. This is true. <laughs> that way. Much in the same way that as a guy. Until you recognize the privilege that you have as a man in society, you can't start doing the work with others. And some people do recognize it, but they also understand that they get, they also understand the power of it, so they don't want to address it. When you know that you can get power off of, you have white women know that they can shed tears and, and the world somebody is, is going <laughs> to bend their knee and ask them what the fuck is wrong. Like the police officer that killed my man in a, Texas, yeah. and everybody decided to hug her. Bro, don't get me started. Don't get me started. That shit about Botham John. Yes. Yeah. Oh um, my God. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like you might even recognize your privilege, but you know that that privilege comes with power, and that power power is one of the number one things that is hard to let go of when you have it, especially when you have it inherently, when you don't have to work for it. How you gonna let that go? With great power comes no responsibility. Ah, <laughs> uh, bar. Bars. <laughs> so yeah, like even even That's though, what you have to be. even though white women <laughs> voted against Hillary Clinton, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. White women, white women know the power that they have. A lot of white women know the power that they have, which is why we are in the predicament that we are in today with a lot of situations that we're in is because there is no there is no council or, or council or community where white women are going to sit down with each other and school each other on how not to be caring. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, Barbecue oh, Becky. hey, that Karen shit hit them hard. Karen they are in this, chilling them. Their Twitter just be like, I'm so sick of seeing Karen. Do not call me fucking Karen. I am not Karen. Don't be a Karen then, bitch. And they hate being recorded, man. <laughs> that motherfucking record, but are you recording? <laughs> no, nah, I'm just holding my phone up. You know what I, I'm doing just like this. Every time. Every are you time. recording? Get your uh, goddamn phone yeah. out of my face. <laughs> I will call the police. You know what? I'm going to record too. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Black people being indifferent to white people wilding the fuck out is funny as fuck. 
always. I, I wish if I could go back in time, I, if I could just do anything, it is live for about three years with the knowledge of, like, if I could have videotaped some of my experiences. In Boston right. specifically or just in general? Just, I mean, Boston here, just things where you're like, man, this would have been so great to see and unbelievable to say. Like the incident about my locker. Yeah. Right. That is a real incident, but it's just like what happened with Aubrey. I, I don't think that white people, if you're listening to white people, I love you. White people don't understand the <laughs> ramifications. We do this all the time. <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> I'm so blessed by a number of white people. Like, hello, white people. Yes. <laughs> dear white people. <laughs> I think that a large amount of them don't understand that the degree of separation does not make you immune to my perspective of impact. That just because you were recording it while it was happening, I, you can't say to me, I didn't kill him. Right. And you just like, oh, my bad. That w- That is how I can, if 15 white men ride around on horses with hoods, the dude who rode around carrying the rope and then just gave it to the guy who hung him can't be like, man, I was just carrying the rope. Right. Right. You're a part of a your, – your knowledge, awareness, and attendance to the situation is the de- – that's my cousin. Then why didn't you say anything to him? Right. Like, that's my point. Like, if y'all that close, like, you should have said, don't do that. My guy, I don't think that's very smart. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my guy. Or, okay. like, honk the horn. Hey, we shouldn't kill this black guy. Like, yell something. My man was like, all I did was record it. Not oh, okay. Well, you know what? No problem. What was what I thinking? You, yeah. Right. What do you get for that? It's like, okay, yeah, you didn't kill him, but you kind of made a highlight tape of the kill. <laughs> exactly. So. And no reaction point. You didn't step in. You didn't <laughs> and you cut it after the value of, like, life had already been taken. Yes. Yeah. In, in my mind, as you see it's going wrong, it's like a a natural reaction. If that was white people, kill, oh, wait, bump, bump, 911, somebody just got murdered, man, get over here. I don't know what happened. My bad. Not two months later. Yeah, I've been sitting on this video for a minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The craziest thing about that is that lawyer released a video thinking it would exonerate, exonerate him. him. Yeah, he's like, "Nigga, now did you see God. the same shit?" <laughs> that's God. Yeah, God yeah. was like, I, I, have, "I feel like God got to come down into the spirit like Saul and be like, hey, bro. <laughs> yeah." And then like, you know how you, you know how sometimes you go through tap, the, tap, tap. You going through those photos you know you shouldn't have in your phone. You're like, "Oh, I forgot to delete this shit. Right. Oh, my bad." And he was like, "Oh, I forgot I had that video in there." And then God was like, "Yeah, man." Look at that. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. You should send that out. Because I'm just, you know, it ain't going. Okay. Just send it. Content. Yeah. God, you know, you get that out your system. <laughs> and then when he sent it, God was like, God, all right, gotta go. <laughs> Devil, he's all yours. <laughs> it's my frustration, too, especially in that situation, is like that the people who interview these people, like Jake Tapper and Kuzma and all them. I think they're very intelligent. They're great. Anderson. They really need a... I used to think it was Roland Martin. I don't think it's him anymore. Man. Roland Martin got into a Twitter battle with me the other day. What? Damn. Roland's off the... Roland is off the... Roland, if you're listening, man, look, I respect you, but I'm just saying, much respect to all (laughs) y'all. Texas, I know you do it for them. But, bro, you have an inherent aggression... That reminds me of a barber who doesn't get any clients and has all day at his chair. You oh, 
are presenting in a way that no longer makes any African American <laughs> want to come to your chair. You are now a character off a of barbershop, bro. And you're intelligent, man. And you have good symmetry. We hate to see it. But we, I hate to see it, bro. <laughs> and you got to go back and hit that role play. You got to see how you look oh in that presentation. God. It's like he's like the the boss uncle at the end of the video game. It's like you yes, beat this nigga. Yes. <laughs> and he go ult- and and it's it's not. And let me tell you, I just want to be very fair. You're not as bad as Dr. Umar Shakeshe. Mimosa, but they say. Dr. Tishal. He who shall not be named. Dr. Dr. Umar. The Thanos of uh, Hotel. (laughs) (laughs) My God. Dr. Umar, without a doubt, I'm going to tell you right now. Doctor, though, y'all still calling him doctor. Listen, I'm going to give him his honorary. Y'all still calling him Dr. Umar is the illegitimate son to the throne. I'm going to tell y'all right now, Dr. Umar is actually a prince of Wakanda, but he was made with on a voyage trip with one of the handmaidens of the king. Mm. Dr. Umar be so off in a flash brilliance of moments that it scares me. You ain't never met nobody like that. Like, you know what the hell going on. Just twist and turn in a way. It, it, it is, it's, I almost akin to, maybe you understand this, Juice. Who could tell you how to do every cheat code back in the day on like a game or something and be so entrenched. But they also the black dude who drew in notebooks. Like, he just off the cuff has all this worldly perspective intelligence, but it don't mean shit. It don't mean a goddamn thing. Nothing that he says means a thing at all. And Dr. Umar can go for two hours for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, you just be almost mesmerized. They're like, bro, you still talking about it. I can't listen to him. And it's confident. It's confident. And he's streaming. Because I couldn't speak, bullshit you. I can't. I can't bullshit you for more than five minutes. Right. I run out and just start laughing. And right. Like, this I dude be looking so serious. Gifts. More gifts. <laughs> Send me your money. I'm building a school. And he looks at you front face like, I'm building a school. And they're like, but, but you're not. No. Oh, no, nah, I'm building a school. And he got niggas ready to ride for him. All Fight. the time. He got an army of trolls. I'm going to find you. It's something about that fucking conspiracy mindset is. that is addictive and, like, entrancing for niggas. Because they, the niggas who ride for Umar hang off of his every word, his every move. It's like, it's I can't, I, I don't, I don't get it, like. I cannot even watch him speak. The way the way he holds his mouth when he speaks, <laughs> the way he swallows his spit, like everything <laughs> about well, Umar. Did you see we invited the women and out to Cheesecake Factory? he got the same Factory? last name as me, and it hurts my feelings. Which which last name? Johnson. Oh, he's. I know Umar has said like multiple names. Oh, so yeah. I know it's like... Unkewe. I he's, feel like Johnson, like he chose that as like his, uh, that's his like government s- name. Smarty pants. Name. Yeah. That's his white name. The white man. <laughs> Bro, the way he repeats himself is so funny. Ugh, yes. I hate, it. I hate it. I hate it. Yes. <laughs> like, nigga, I heard you say that dumb ass shit the first, first time. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy said, but you haven't started in the school. And he said, my brother, we have started the school. <laughs> And I just like in my mind, I want to. <laughs> now I'm ready to use the other meme where I'm like, like the dog or whatever that looks up like the swaggy p question mark meme. 
Are we all experiencing Are we the, the same, same world? <laughs> I don't know if it's him or David Banner that's worse. Oh, but David Banner is so funny. But David Banner is, is the hotel. He, he of do hotel. be in his hotel bag. Heavy. David Banner would have you believe he has top security clearance. Yes, totally. David Banner, uh, the, if I hear this one more time, I got information. What y'all don't know is, and I want to know so bad, who do you know, David? <laughs> who do you know, David? Like, David, come on. David, like I talked to him like a little, like David, David, David. Who do you know, David? Because let's be let's be real, David. I don't listen to David. You don't just, know you don't, don't know anybody, do you, David? Poor Gail King. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Robert, Robert, Robert. Robert. <laughs> I don't listen to David. I look Ooh. at David. I just he's good to look at. But That's you gotta listen it. to this nigga. First the God like, okay, box. Okay, I was okay, there. Okay. I, I opened up for David Banner. Really? In 2017, I opened up for one of his wow. uh, speech things, and I I left. Humble, <laughs> humble brag. No, Grand no, I'm just saying, I know that was absolutely it. I had never, I've never in my life met a dude who just he he exudes this like access model that supersedes like anybody who works at Langley. You don't know, man. They got small rooms. You know, stay in politics. Put the the rooms that's having meetings here in this city. And I'm like, dang, David. How do you know, David? <laughs> How do you? It kills me. Oh, somebody needs to make a cartoon character out of your ass. No, you are animated as The hotepest of the hotels. It is. I want to see them battle. Dr. That, Umar. Wow, like a, a live versus, battle. A versus? <laughs> Hotep. Dr. 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 Umar. Umar and, and David, and David Banner. Banner. Hotep combat. Combat, yeah. <laughs> The, and then, like, the topic be COVID viruses. I'm like, oh, all their versions. No. Be like, oh, no. Who created it? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> in Michigan, there was a lab where African American was killed, that his body was poured down. His name was Luke Cage. Uh, and then uh, Luke Cage started to <laughs> mutant. Modern day syphilis experience. I can hear it now. Oh, bro. I went down to Tuskegee one time. Why is it that they all have this? They only talk about certain, like, Events from history, and they act like, "Oh, I bet you <laughs> yeah. didn't know about Black Wall." Shit. Yeah, no, they Tulsa, only- Oklahoma, <laughs> <laughs> like it was never pronounced. <laughs> Tulsa, they don't want you to know about Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then you're like, "Well, I'm just typing it in Google, and it's actually telling me a lot about." Tulsa. Right, I, I know a whole <laughs> lot like, about it. They don't want you to know that black millionaires live around you. Well, I'm actually typing in Zillow now, and I see a lot of black people. I know a couple of them. <laughs> They don't want you to know. No, yes, like, bro, racial violence happened all around this country. Uh, they burned Sweet Auburn Avenue. Come on. They did a whole, what, Greenwood? Come on, Juice. Juice but, is out here, right? I'm out here, bro. And you're here at the same time. But yeah, that that, that false uh, access knowledge is just frustrating. It's, they don't want you to know. That's where I got <laughs> that from. Like, who is that? I think that Instagram has just devalued personal interaction because I can know in five minutes. I think social media has has done that in general. Yeah. Social Pe- media and texting. People think they know us on from Twitter and shit. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good way to say it. And then also, like, doing this, people think they know us completely, and there's tons of stuff we leave out Man. that they don't know. <laughs> yeah. We just say a Ooh. lot of wild shit in the meantime, but, 
yeah, you don't know us completely. Yeah. You know parts of oh. our personality. Can you? I mean, in my career, you can only imagine uh, the assessment value that people give you in a snippet. And it's, um, man, it's tough because I don't know if I can say this to my future wife. If you ever hear this, I love you, baby. I don't want no Michelle, but I feel bad for saying I don't want a Michelle. It's like I want a Cardi B mixed with <laughs> Michelle, mixed with, like, Kerry Washington. Explain yourself. I think that people, they, they personify what is necessary. What is, if if Obama was not Obama, Buddy, I don't think, would be in the tan suit that type of way. I think he's more of a chill, relaxed, shoot him some b-ball outside of the school. You know, he doesn't, he personifies what we needed him to. It's almost like we needed you to be a hero, and you're like, all right, I'll be a hero. Well, he had to sell yeah. himself like that because he was campaigning to be our president. But that's my point. I don't know if I, when people say that and give that projection for who I am, and I think about my wife, I don't want to marry somebody who thinks they need to be my first lady. It's an inherent feel, I though. I say that all the time. I, I can feel it when I meet females and stuff, or dating and stuff, I guess you could say. It's that feel of like, well, what do you think about Trump? You know, and like, I'm just like, nigga, you want some pork chops? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it, it is. Uh, oh, shit. It is unique. So you're having a hard time dating. That's what it sounds like. Uh, yes, we and all no. are. I had this conversation with my mama. Yesterday, she was asking me why I was having a hard time dating. I said, I think we all are having a hard time dating. Even the people who are in relationships are having a hard time because right. I feel like th- it's not even about a standard. I just feel like there's so many trends that we're seeing that we think we should be following. Like now we have. All these like couple examples, like all these YouTube couples oh, and Instagram like, couples. Yeah. All these. And, How and did, what is it, Huntsville? Um, love and uh. Huntsville. I, I didn't even know about that. Now listen, the there, I do have. I do. There is one couple Huntsville that I celebrity. that I love, but I understand that I can I can see a couple and love like who they are, but also understand that people are people and they shit ain't perfect all the time. But I feel like. I feel like nowadays, and I feel like Instagram is like the culprit of so many of these toxic mindsets that we have lately. Instagram has put so much of a so much of an of an emphasis on like perfection. Yeah. Um, like Instagram is the reason why like women are out here getting Brazilian butt lifts and like, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody wants the Instagram body and everybody wants that Instagram coupledom and everybody wants this Instagram fame. Like Instagram is the standard. Instagram is the pillar. Like, so we see, we see a lot of these Instagram couples and we see a lot of YouTube couples and everybody wants to be you know, that couple. And I feel like the reason why we want that is because for one, whenever you're a content creator, what you're putting out is what you want to put out. And people don't, people don't think about that. Like we see it all the time. Like, Oh, y'all think that this, that, and the other, but I'm only allowing you to see what I want you to see. We see that all the time. However, when we see these Instagram couples and YouTube couples, 
we don't actually take that into consideration when we're looking at them. We don't take into consideration like, oh, well, they're only showing us what they want us to show. Right. They're not showing us. So we start like putting these like impossible standards on like, oh, if my next relationship ain't like this, I don't want it. And if, and if, and so like there's that aspect. And then there's also the aspect of, I don't trust these hoes or never, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And so it's just like, it's, it's just this weird dichotomy. Like it's, it's a battle between this dichotomy of like having this perfect relationship or being like the perfect player that's not committing to anything because that's safe. And I feel like that is what is making it super difficult. Yeah. right now it's the struggle of we have two complete we have two polar opposite examples of what we need to be either you're in this perfect relationship and if you're not in this perfect relationship you got the perfect number of hoes who are just doing all the perfect things for you and <coughs> you're okay because you're getting everything you need sexually and materialistically and whatever else outside of of the realms of a relationship so, yeah, it, I can't, I cannot even explain the, the realness of the difficulty of dating, quote unquote, um, <laughs> nowadays, I don't, I don't even want to say, I don't even want to say nowadays because shit, I've been out here, I've been out here trying to date for years. It's not even like nowadays. It's like, it's, I think it's always, it's always been. It's just Instagram and social media are magnifiers. It's, it's, it has been emphasized like heavily, but I, I just don't. I don't know. I think too, and this is just my personal view, is as much as I jokey jokey hockey kiki, I think in my spirituality, God has assessed that He doesn't like to waste other people's time, and. <coughs> My maturity has allowed me to assess that I can waste people's time. Not in a malicious way. Like, I ain't smashing every chick I talk to or nothing like that. And, and in dating now, um, I don't find an individual and just say, hey, I'm going to, you know, suck the soul out of you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm going to take you to your withered point. I didn't know he was going there. And, you know. Um, suck th- a nigga's soul. I couldn't do it to it. So. I think God has really made my particulars very important where it's like, just being real, certain women I can't I can't be around like I used to be around. But I can be cool with, and I have to assess that is just the, the homie or that's an acquaintance. Where you might earlier have probably just entertained because you ain't had nothing else to do. Yeah, and I don't I think, I don't a lot think of people date with intention anymore. Right. I think people date because they're bored. People date because for social media, for the looks of it. People date, especially travel. Yeah. Oh, oh, don't get me started. Travel hoes or something else. Man, I mean, <laughs> shout out to the OnlyFans, but people aren't dating with purpose anymore. <laughs> I don't feel like I don't. I don't know. I, it's just not. It's not a. Uh, it's not a necessary to. It used to be at a time that it was a complete benefit to be married. For the most part. Yeah, I can see now. This this angle is a beautiful angle. Go ahead. So, like, now you don't necessarily have to be married or with somebody because... Because everybody is... People are moving in together and, and... There you go. 
Every, everybody is doing married things without the ring. Right. The and functionality of a relationship is high value. I know people who stay together, like you were saying, who weren't married and lived together, paid half the bills, saved money, and they were dating. Yeah. It's a functional thing. It's like, this is efficient. We're not married, but I'm and paying half the rent. People have been doing it for, listen, me, it's, I don't know how it was at HBCUs. I cannot speak to that. But going to a PWI, I know <laughs> so many people who were moving in with their girlfriends and boyfriends when we were like 21, 22. And I was always like, this ain't going to work. Like every single time somebody was like, oh, we're going to move in together. I was like, man, like we just started drinking. Like there's no fucking way. <laughs> you, you just started at 21, 22? No, I started oh, okay. when I was 17. Oh, okay. It's just clarity. Anyway. Uh, we just started drinking legally, I should say. Oh, okay. Uh, there's no way that y'all are mature enough or that you think you're mature enough to be able to live with somebody and their habits and their mannerisms and everything that they carry in their lives at this age. Like, there's no fucking way. And it never worked. And I feel like even still to this day, like that's another thing, once again, because of Instagram that people don't take into account when they decide to live with people or move in with people is you are actually going to take on way more than you see on social media or way more than you've seen on these first five dates that you've been on. Like, Nobody, nobody, nobody thinks about reality. I think that's what it is. Is nobody is thinking about reality of human nature when they go into these situations. And the reality is, okay, Let's see, pun god. <laughs> <laughs> reality is, since you since you want to be funny, the gag is reality is 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 dealing dealing when you're dealing with people, you're dealing with all of their emotions day in and day out like it's it's way different seeing a nigga a couple nights a week and him going home you going home than it is literally day in day out seeing a nigga react to everything that happens in his life all day every day and a nigga dirty draws and dirty draws and you know him not cleaning out the shower Ooh, and, say it ain't and, so and you know what i'm saying him not washing his dishes for days and that d came in a little hard <laughs> <laughs> and you know what i'm saying toilet seat issues and toilet seat issues. snoring <laughs> and playing a game for six hours i have not played a video game in a long time i have not played a video game in two years I, I was somebody asked me about that. I was like, oh man, I see you on 2K. And I was like, what year is it on? Nigga, like, nigga, what? I was like, nah, I forgot about, two, like, I forgot about Madden. Like, do they have NCAA? Like, I, I have not been connected to games in a long time. It used to be Call of Duty crazy, though. I used to be NBA 2K crazy, but I have not turned on my Xbox in a, I was, a year. I was a Call of Duty person. Um, Listen, I bought Call of Duty for my daddy for Father's Day a couple years ago. Who was the chick? Icebox. That's what I'm going to start calling you. Not Icebox. What's her name? Oh, uh, from Little Giants? Yeah. Yeah, Icebox. <laughs> oh, it was Icebox? Yeah. yeah. Now, let me ask you this, Juice. What's up? How did how did this become your thing? <laughs> uh, I used to blog in college. Really? Yeah. What was your degree in? Uh, political science secondary. Really? I've never taught since I got my degree, though. Dang. 
because niggas weren't hired. I, uh, after the recession, a lot of the teachers that would have retired stayed on stayed longer. On. So then I started uh, working as a bail bondsman. Really? But yeah, I used to block, and then I blocked for like three years, and then like people used to send me so much music and stuff that I had to stay on top of it, and I was in college. Yeah. So I was like, I can't do all of this. So I was like, eventually, I'll do something like this again. But I decided that it would probably be a podcast, and I wouldn't do it alone. Mm-hmm. That way, I can share some of the burden. Right. So then when we all started talking about it, we, me and Kim were like, yo, we can do it really dope with us, or we can do it even better with just us two. Because <laughs> it's easier yeah. to manage with two people. Right. And then you get a, a feel of the personalities. Right. And then, like, we agree, like, on probably 75, 80% of shit. And then, like, the other part, we can agree to disagree. Right. So, and then we both go into it. Like, we're not trying to prove each other wrong or be disrespectful to each other. Because I didn't want to have some shit where I just yell at somebody. Absolutely. So, it was like, I don't I don't need that energy. I, I'm literally at work surrounded by all negativity. Hmm. So I have to have an outlet that's positive. So that's what it is. You, you ever listened to the Foxhole? Yeah. Dog, nah, that's one of the funniest. That was one of the funniest shows on XM Radio ever. Yeah. Jamie Foxx, it, it needs to be stated. Because I'm about to rank him. I'm going to make a lot of people upset. <laughs> Jamie Foxx is more talented than Will Smith. I agree. Ah, thank <laughs> you. I agree. Does okay. that mean he's more successful? No. no, but natural. Jamie Foxx is more talented than Will Smith. Yeah. And I'm not saying I don't like Will Smith. I'm just saying Jamie Foxx has a talent spectrum that is through the roof. He he never turns it off. He's always entertaining. That's a good way to say it. He's multifaceted, though. He's an actor. He's a singer. He's but that's, I mean, and so is, I mean, Will Smith did win a Grammy. Right. Multiple Grammys. Multiple Grammys. But it's it's different. Like Will Smith, you can tell gets in character, and he's not in character all the time. Right, right, right. right. You can understand that part. Jamie Foxx, if you roll up on Jamie Foxx, he's probably gonna do some Jamie Foxx shit. That's exactly <laughs> it. He's. I actually think he's more creative too in his humor. He is. He's more artistic. Yes, because the right if you right. watch his, um, you know, like his stand up and stuff like that. But people forget Will wrote a lot of the script. On First Prince. Mm-hmm. Especially he, the later ones. Yeah. And he's actually funny. You know, he's a funny person. But I think that, I, I don't know why I, I can't say it without getting in trouble. It's almost like the LeBron thing. That I think Jamie Foxx in the industry is one of the top tier most talented humans in African-American industry history. I think in movie history. He's in rare air. Yeah. You know, movie, if you take everything else out and go specifically to movies... I do struggle with Jamie being in the top tier. In top tier, I mean five. Okay, but like, look at like with Collateral. Are we saying black? Are we saying period? Just period. 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 Why we always got to oh, make Negro right. leagues? Why we got to separate? Why we got to separate? Okay, Why we gotta separate? <laughs> hey, I got a flag, bro. All right, let's just feel it. <laughs> so the same reason that we have the Tonys. Okay, guys, like. Deep breath wasn't my idea. Um, <laughs> all I'm saying is, 
I don't think he's a top five actor of all time. I don't think he's top five, but I think he's in a rare. Are we space. talking about Jamie? Yeah. Jamie. No, he's not top five. Okay. Of black male actors. Where do you put Medea? No, I'm just saying. Just, uh, just playing. Where do you put uh, <laughs> Just joking. Um, Jamie has fucking range, though. He does, but all right. Who? What? I'm reading that book currently, by the way. What? Great book, Range. Anyway, go ahead. Um, uh, who would? You, okay, who is the top five then? Black black male actors. Let's just do it. Denzel. Denzel, of course. Off the rip. Uh, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy is a more talented Jamie Foxx. Yes. I say Whoopi Goldberg, but anyway. Top five. Really? Whoopi, Whoopi's range in depth puts her in a black category right now it's not that the black category is not as deep as people might want to assume i'm not talking about movies you liked i'm talking about people who acted well right now it's different in who was in a really good movie that you liked and they did good in that one okay 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 because jada pickett smith would be in one of those you know what i mean like whoopi whoopi acts her ass off the way denzel acts his ass and whoopi does good stand-up with characters that she writes and develops herself this is true this is true and has oscar she does have an Oscar. She does have an Oscar. I actually think you have to put twofold. It's going to make a lot of people mad. I definitely think you put Will Smith in there, but I think you have to put Samuel L. Yeah, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Put yeah. Many people say, absolutely. though, he's a tight cast, though. No. And I can I, I can see why they make that. I argument. can he, see why, he but is a tight cast. there's still range with Samuel L, too, because um, Jackie Brown. Yeah. Um, Shit, Jackie Brown is one of my favorite movies. Me too. Um, what else was different? Pulp Black Fiction. Snake Moan. Like that one was a very predictable role. What you Pulp, think? Black Snake Moan or Pulp Fiction? Mm-hmm. Black Snake Moan. I, I didn't like that Pulp, movie. I think Pulp I didn't like. Fiction I didn't like the overall, but I think his role was very predictable. I feel like Black, Pulp Fiction was more predictable than Black Snake Moan. It is, but I think I don't know because if you're gonna use range in the black genre, it's only two people to me, and that's Will Smith and Denzel. Sydney Fortier. Sydney, uh, hear me out. <laughs> Y'all might want to take a sip before Sid- I Sydney say Sydney was this. the token. Thank you. But he had to be that. He he and also the blandness no of his role. I mean, Sydney was the token because Westerns? he was attractive. He was the one that white women found attractive, and he was the one that they were going to use because they knew he was that Jackie he was, Robinson. They knew that he, he was. was. Sell. And you have to give him credit for it. But. I like the Wild Wild West more than I like Tombstone. Like, I liked Will Smith's Wild Wild West. <laughs> and it was, a, again, Will Smith does movies that make you say Will Smith did this movie. Sidney Poitier makes you say, oh, Sidney was in that movie. And it's almost like Cooper Gooden Jr., right? Oh, God. I can name really good. <laughs> Cooper Gooden Jr. did good in radio. He did good in Men of Honor. Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood. He was in Jeremy those movies. Myers. Right, Jay McGuire. He was in those movies, but it wasn't a Cuba Gooden Jr. That's exactly movie. how Sidney Poitier is. No, Will, no, I'm telling you, bro. It's not. I'm it's telling not. You. Have you Will not Smith seen made Portier, the Wild Wild Sidney Poitier in a movie is a Sidney Poitier movie. Have you not seen any of the night? Dis- have yeah, you not seen that? But that's I'm saying a, that's the Sidney Poitier. I'm not disagreeing. That that's he a Sidney Poitier movie. So make the comparison. We have a genre in the black culture on the face game, which I wanted to play with y'all, but that's why I charged my phone, which was. Oh, God. It's called a Denzel movie. 
No, no. It's there's no other person that says oh, when you have range. When you moment. have range, they're they're you're not like Philadelphia by Denzel. When you when you have range, Sidney Poitier doesn't have the range that Denzel does. True. Denzel was a coach. True, but you cannot. You cannot. Denzel was Malcolm X. <laughs> you cannot call and Hurricane. You can't call things Denzel movies the way you can call things City Portier movies. Denzel is the god tier of all black actors, right? Yeah, but Sidney Portier was that guy before Denzel. This sounds like when people are Sydney like, Sidney Portier Hakeem Olajuwon would beat Michael Jordan in one on one. Sidney Portier what? walked <laughs> so that Denzel could run. Right, somebody cue the hymn. Lord Swing Low. Sidney Portier, 1942, was originally born. Swing Low. Sidney Portier went to a black school. This is them like in the background playing his whole biography. Sidney Portier didn't have a biscuit one time and gave his food to y'all. Then a lone man walked up. So you're, Lord, literally, you're, literally, Lord. you're literally equating Sidney Poitier to Denzel Washington. I'm equating Sidney Poitier to Cuba Gooding Jr. They are so good in movies. Whoa. The movies are good. No, no, no. no. We the ain't going to no. speed past no. that. Bro. Denzel Washington and Will Smith are the only people that I believe can say it is their movie. Pursuit of Happiness? That's he, a Will Smith But he movie. made that movie, literally. Like he I'm, produced that movie, fences, but I'm saying fences was Denzel's pursuit of happiness. No, why not? I'd, I'd, so well, why not? <laughs> why not? Fences what else? was a play before. I was about to say, I mean, yes. an iconic play. Yeah, I, mean, I was gonna say yes. you also have one of the best supporting actors. True, but and Viola ever. Davis. Viola is, Davis is the is greatest. One of the greatest actors ever. She's the greatest Rick Fox. Who was in pursuit of happiness? Um, what's her name? Um, Thandie Newton. Yeah, yeah, but his son took most of that role. Yeah. The supporting role. His son did a great Baby job. Jake. Yeah, that's true. But I will I will tell you right now, and again, Viola Davis might get mad at me if you hear I think you're awesome and I love you to death. She gets washed by the movie. I think that she is the greatest six man. She's like Andre Iguodala. Like when she's on the court, the uh, game changes. I'm telling you. you I'm telling you. That's nigga. why I think Whoopi Whoopi is the most memorable. Re- of recent note, memorable black female actor that will be timeless and well known. Whoopi Goldberg's movies are Whoopi Goldberg's movies. Besides Color Purple, Color, Purple, Color Purple was not a Whoopi Goldberg movie. That was her first movie, though. That was hey, body. she that was body. <laughs> that was also Oprah's first movie. And was Oprah that? But body. it still was uh, not. It still good. was not Whoopi Goldberg's movie. And uh, it, also using the fences defense. And with Color Lauren, Purple is one of the greatest books of all time. That is true. Too. And Danny Glover was that Danny Glover? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Danny Glover was like that Danny was Glover a, was already that was a Danny Glover that was, movie. Yeah, that was after <laughs> Lethal Weapon. That, that was, was Danny you know what? Glover. That was literally. But this is what they did when they hired Danny Glover. They were like, just act like yourself, nigga. All right, bye. <laughs> that nigga wasn't in no range. He was just like, I'm just but, gonna act like myself. No, walk it, up on up here. But he also had done. Danny Glover had been that that guy for a while too. Like he had just done Lethal Weapon the year before, he was mainstream, mainstream. Yeah, and, and you know, because as, as I look at the female role, and I, you know, I, I think what has happened in the headliner roles is that black movies, because <coughs> we need to say this. Here we go. It's a hot take. I feel like ah, way go hot it take. It's hot, it's hot. Until we create 
a mixed cultured movie Ooh. that is not Medea based genre. I cannot put a okay, black okay, actor because okay, okay. Chadwick Boseman is the only person currently in the realm. Wait, wait. in the realm, mixed culture. Define mixed culture. You have to have. Who is they? Yeah, who is they? <laughs> Dang, I know I'm gonna get in trouble. Let the people know. Y'all Negroes need to create. <laughs> Y'all Negroes need to go out there and go create the Rock Church version of a movie. A movie okay. that you mean non-denominational, a non-denominational <laughs> black BET movie. Y'all niggas need to. The movie don't need to start like this. Y'all was wondering how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> Baby boy, <laughs> listen. Y'all was wondering. Damn, I bet y'all wondering like, how the hell I got here? I bet you wonder how I got in this situation. <laughs> the depth of the conversation and like Medea's family reunion. I've actually never had a family reunion, but Medea's family reunion is just like. An atrocious overreach of black culture that we just signify. It's not. It's no. not though. You can't it's say. It, you can't, I, I look, hate. I hate Tyler with Perry. You, with you never being to a family reunion, you cannot. I've say been atrocious. to a family reunion. I'm saying my family's never had a family. You can't reunion. say atrocious then. Okay, until so your, I'll say the exonerated. Family has had one. Our family had ours last summer. Let me tell you. Uh, let me say it this way then. Inherently, the roles that he personifies, that he switches back from, and and, and whoever did say Eddie Murphy. I'll give you that. I said Eddie Murphy. If you concede that his range is what makes him great. That's not what we're his, talking about. I know, but I was saying, no, I was saying that the value of the, the actor itself, because when we go with doesn't have a lot of movies. That, no, that, but, comes, okay. that comes from having I agree. Range. Now, if you're about to go, go ahead. The value Dream comes from range. Got, I'm trying to think of the more serious roles. Yes. Value comes from range. Even I, actually think it's com- I think it's I actually think his comedies have value too. Yeah. Value, Coming to America. Value I was about to say Coming to America is huge. Value comes from range. Absolutely. But also, in defense of family reunions, until you've been to the Mississippi Delta, I never want to go, bro. You <laughs> got, like real shit. Like as a politician was, you got to go, oh, like somewhere it. like that to see how object poverty it. Oh looks. Uh, yeah. Like, but I'm related to them niggas, and <laughs> that's that's some Tyler Perry shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I, he's definitely struck a chord. I'm not here to say top parents are success, but get your money. See, I think he struggles with other things. If he no only comment. listened South to South Alabama this, over here. If he only listened to Tyler this podcast, he would know he's saying the shit we be saying. We be yeah. saying this shit. And then he need to get a new wig coordinator. But I think that. <laughs> well, how can you have so much money and be so ratchet? Oh, I think he doubles down on it. Like when a nigga be going on set, be like, all right, on set. And then everybody in the set's like, I think it sounds wrong with his hair, and he's like, "We want that, right? We don't want that. <laughs> it wouldn't be a Tyler Perry movie if they had good wigs." This is true. Like, what do you think this is? Yeah, <laughs> somebody who's actually traversed in movies that is really weird to me, but it's just funny, I guess, in a way. Is ludicrous. He's not great, but he's really been in a lot of acting. He's a great character actor. He I is only the computer guy type. You know I only I mean? think of ludicrous in Fast and Furious. I mean that's that's his biggest. No, role. he was just he was just in a lot. Well, the one with the uh, Chadwick Boswick, whatever it was, as a drug lord. Bozeman. I'd be hating on him because people think he's dark. Clearly, than it's definitely he hate. is definitely darker than you. Anyway, he is definitely darker. He has the potential, <laughs> and even even Denzel said it. He has the potential. That man has been Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, the Prince of Wakanda, a mercenary, a cop. This man, the last, that movie, 21 Bridges, was actually pretty good. I, I didn't oh, see I that. haven't seen that Really, yet. I give it like, and then for it to be a Netflix movie, you know, you got that assumption coming in. It's on Netflix? Yeah. I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. Since when? 
Since quarantine, I guess. I mean, I ain't had no quarantine and chill. They have put a lot of quarantine shit on. Ain't had no quarantine and chill. He lying. Nah, this nigga. I got my own login. I got my own login. But I will say again, Will Smith is not as talented as Jamie, but he's a better actor. That's a hot take. That's a hot take. Will Smith. Is a better actor than Jamie. I would, I would actually agree with that. I do not agree. With I would, that. I would totally agree. I with do that. not agree with that. And his, and there, and I'll tell you this: if it wasn't for Ray, I don't. You, let me tell you why I don't agree with that. Because I cannot see Will playing Django, but I can see Jamie playing Pursuit of Happiness. And the funny thing about that is, he did solo. Django was horrible. Django was written for Will Smith. And Will Smith turned it down oh, because he wanted to change things. I didn't even know that. See, I didn't know that. I could, I could never. But see. I also couldn't see. You know what? I mean? What I'll say about this though is that I couldn't see when they were both on. Right? There's no other person that could have played Muhammad Ali, and yeah. in the moment of the acting, Jamie was not at the caliber Will was in that exact moment. But he but did Jamie play did Boudini. Ray. He played Boudini Brown. He Jamie did, did Ray and, and... I knew you were going to say that. And what's his name? He's the also piano a movie. pianist and an artist. So right. he played himself. And, and he's a great impersonator. And that's his, that's his true talent, too. So, so that movie was pretty much... I, that, I, I don't take that, that from him. That movie was acting. What do you mean that's his true talent? That is acting. No, but... Nah, no, that, that was, that was like, the cross-sectional of everything. Right. I, I agree with him. That's like where all I, people like overstretch that acting. I don't like this. I'm not saying he didn't act well, <laughs> but the man. I don't like that. That's like Mike Tyson playing a boxer. Well, Mike Tyson isn't it? Yeah, but you know what I mean. But go, speaking of that, Jamie Foxx's impression of Mike Tyson is the best Mike Tyson impression. Oh my! His so he does a number of impressions. He does yes. a number of and impressions. and he. I mean, it is unreal. He how gets uncanny. the essence of it. It's not yes. like yeah. Everybody just does the lisp. He, but he gets he studies it. He yeah. Oh my god! He, like, he, I mean, the guy's it. crazy talented. He walks. I love the Jamie Foxx show, by the way. I, I hated that show. I loved it because I'm always wanted to holler at Fancy. Fancy was my crush. Garcelle Garcelle Listen, Listen, is still she's still out here fine my as hell. She is thing. still fine as hell. She's a she's a she's on a show. She I don't remember don't. when she was in Playboy, and when that came out. Garcelle, I don't even know how you say her. She Haitian or something? Buvas. She's Haitian. Buvas. Yes, she is Haitian. Buvas. That's why I want to go to Cape Verde. Bovis. Most beautiful, I don't know how to most beautiful her black woman in Cape Verde. But I think that. Oh, another hot take. Oh God. Martin. Oh God. I think I know where it's going. <laughs> uh, hey, 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 everybody. What you got to say? Martin was only great. After Gina and Martin, after the first three seasons, Gina and Martin got comfortable with each other. When Brother Man and all of them were introduced into the sub characters, Martin's first couple of seasons weren't that funny. I have always been of the opinion that Martin is overrated. I have. I know. <laughs> I have also. I'm an eight point two. Opinion too. See, I thought you were going to say something I different. I thought you were about to say Martin listen, was better than First listen, Prince. Listen, listen, no, no, no. First Prince, First we, Prince was better. We watched Martin because it was a cultural thing, but I never 
was like in love with the show Martin. I have now, favorite episodes. Talent. I was gonna say that he showed talent to make moments, like the iconic show, moments. The, the show showed his range. The show showed his range because he was so many different characters. The CD episode is my favorite one. The CD player episode where yeah. Bro Man took it. That's Bro his that my favorite. His introduction, though, that I also think too of like because he they said he he made a lot of them, but that I actually believe that one. They just need to say it. Pam was more beautiful than Jalen. Oh yes, totally. And more stylish. And the first on Viv was more outfits. Beautiful. Oh were yeah, on point. But I think that what they didn't do was Pam let is like my style inspiration to this day. Like Pam and Martin had people don't want to hear it a better chemistry. Chemistry, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Gina. That's they why they were always Gina into and it. Martin. There was sexual tension. No that was doubt. Not I know what that looks like. That was That's not because she was built like it 8, wasn't thousand. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> if Trump want to build a wall, it's right. She God was, dang, she man. was a stallion. Ooh, absolutely. The episode where uh, strong legs, where Jerome is getting with Pam and she's like going with it. Yeah, you can see it. Like she was fine as fuck. Yeah, Pam was out here. I love Pam. She's way more than Gina. Hey, another underrated movie is Man on Fire. Man on Fire. Is that underrated? I think it's I feel like I feel like we all, when that movie came out, that's when we were like, okay, this nigga can be an action star. I don't feel like it's the one that like, on my feelings is that Man on Fire should be in the BET role play, replay. Like you should be in the one, like, you know, when you're there on a Tuesday in the morning and your grandma just got done watching TV <laughs> and it's like 1130 and you're like, man, what movie is this coming on? And then you hear that, and then you hear that, you hear that damn Hispanic music. Did you see that little hazy ass walk that nigga be doing? How many times this nigga watch this movie? Oh my god. Senor Casey! Senor Casey! Uh hello Blella. I just love that young girl. That nigga be coming in that mug. That good man said, La Professional. He said, all right, I got you, cuz. All right, Denzel in them up. Let go. When Denzel get to going, because, like, equalizer. When Denzel gets going, it's better than, like, any true action film. It's like Denzel's slowed down old man fighting style is better than, like, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, like. like Jack, John Wick. I can believe Denzel could be the Yeah, no. <laughs> and the equalizer, one time dude was like, I was like, bro, y'all did not just make Denzel Batman. He was in the room. He was like, ah, okay, all right. You're not going to give me, okay, all right. You're not going to give me information, okay. All right, I'm going to go ahead and set my watch. And then the white dude was like, hey, old man, what do you need to say? Okay, 30 seconds. Oh, my God. Stop, 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 clap, 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 clap. Okay, all right. Oh, I'm getting slow. All right. So I didn't want to help. I'm like, I mean, I, I'm going to believe it, but. Really, you know because he be doing this like them little arm movements be breaking niggas' arms. But you know, Denzel definitely got old man strength, so I, that's what sells it. Yeah, that's what it is. I know this nigga got a tight grip. It's the issue that he don't look like like when John Wick get done, he be like having a ripper shirt off and turn into a tunicate. Denzel would be like, <laughs> like nothing happened. Okay, no right, is, my what man. Is, what is Denzel's best movie? Next episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. What? All right. I'm going to tell you my favorite. My number, my favorite. Yeah. Personal or you thought he just really killed it? My fa- my favorite is Remember the Titans, but also my favorite That's is American Gangster. I love American Gangster. I, I, I love like, American Gangster. I like, doubt I that like made gangster that movie movies more. and I like drug movies. I think you like gangster niggas and drug dealers. She do. Anyway. <laughs> um, First of all, Juice. <laughs> First of all, Juice. Juice out here trying to put me on fucking glass. I think... <laughs> The tough what? part about Denzel. <laughs> shit, shit. I gotta admit to myself that like couldn't even ease it. <laughs> two people that I have to, I like to compare, and it's hard for me to answer that that movie about Denzel for this reason. Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Hanks make that a very convoluted question. Because my favorite movie, I have not decided if it's because the movie Forrest Gump is a good movie. Or because Tom Hanks is good at Forrest Gump. It's because Tom Hanks is good at Forrest Gump. See, that's what I'm Forrest saying. Gump is not a good movie. It's a sad, tragic, horrible yes. American film. It's, it's an awful movie. It shows every. <laughs> I mean, AIDS, uh, fidelity, death. It's just horrible, right? But it's so good, right? And that's what I'm saying about. It's like Robert Downey Jr., right? And and I, I mean, maybe in my view of it is a little bit different. But I'll just use like like Sherlock Holmes, right? Anybody could have really been Sherlock, but it had to be Robert Downey Jr. Right. Anybody could have been Iron Man, but it had to be Robert Downey right. Jr. So then you jump to the Denzel movies. Like, have you seen Deja Vu? Yeah. It's a horrible movie. It pop. is. <laughs> it's a horrible movie. It's a BET quality movie. It's a BET movie. quality movie. <laughs> and it shit is so convoluted. You're like, man, what the fuck going on, man? Like, just come on. But then Denzel brings it back together. Yeah. John so, Q. It's not an actually good movie. John I'm gonna go ahead and tell you something right now. It's not, but you Denzel, are the most impressive man. But Denzel acted, <laughs> Denzel acted his ass off. Inside what, man. What's bro. the one with? Um, it's a great movie. What's yes. the one with Shayna Lathan? Uh, out of time. Shayna Lathan. Out of time. <laughs> Chanel. Okay. Does anybody know Chanel. how to say her name? Is it Shayna or Sanai? Sanai. Okay, I've been saying Shayna. Niggas, all niggas don't say. She ain't never missed. Uh, <laughs> she don't miss. Out of time. <laughs> out of time. He was in Out of Time. Manchurian Candidate, bro. Yeah. Denzel got some scary good movies. Were you just like, this nigga out here acting? Inside Man secretly might be Spike Lee's best movie. It is. Why secretly? Because people forget that Spike Lee did, did it. Did that Which movie. tells you yeah, it doesn't thing. have any of the Spike lee isms. He didn't do this. He didn't roll through this down the street. Or he didn't say like, wake up! Or like stuff like None that. None of the corniness of Spike Lee movies Super was in corny. It. Like low secret screenshots, which I got back in the day he had to use. But you just like, come you on, can bro. do it better, bro. What's the other the other military movie he did that was really good? Crimson Tide. Is that what it was? It was like back in the eighties. Yeah. Glory. Yeah, Philadelphia. Glory. 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 Philadelphia. He was really good too. And he was because was you kind of you kind of hate him. Like, have you, you really seen it recently? No, I just remember, especially in the like in the um, grocery store scene. Yeah, like I saw it during the quarantine. Are you at, chewing gum again? Mm, what is happening? Um, I saw it during the quarantine. <laughs> I saw it during the quarantine, and it's you make it, you kind of hate them. Like, yeah, definitely. Because especially now, 
And you're like, man, this is like that black homophobia. It is. <laughs> Everything quintessential. <laughs> and you're right. You're like, damn, right? And we get it, bro. Right. <laughs> Throwing in on a little heavy, sir. Yeah. And you know what, though? Some movies' plots make the actors better. And I'm going to tell you why. Just like uh, Inside Man, the movie was written beautifully. And how John Q, within itself, was a lot like, what's the movie we just saw Carrie Washington where she stayed in the waiting room the whole time? Oh, my fucking God. American Son? Yeah. That... There's no Ugh, difference. There's no difference in a, that the movie, movie was trash. There's no difference than the scene work of American Son and John Q. <laughs> it's a waiting room. Yeah, you're right. It's just you're that the man worked right. his butt off to act wow. so well. I don't like. I don't like those. I don't like monologue movies. I don't like one-sided movies. Oh, yeah. I don't like. I I expected there to be characters and and like you know what I'm saying like multifaceted moments of a character like character development i don't like that it was just her in this room basically being angry about being a black woman yeah. i get it like i get it Fall i from get grace. it i completely get it Ugh, yeah. that was terrible i completely get it <laughs> but i just thought that there was more of a plot there was no, there was no plot it but, was like we going to be here <laughs> you going to listen to me just be angry but also that's how that's like, and it made me even more upset because I'll, she was talking about being angry about having a mixed kid, and then she had to basically be in this space with two white men, one of them whom, in whom she slept with and had a kid with, but still had to explain her pain to. And I was like, I'm tired of seeing this. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think that this was gonna be this. But the other thing is that's <clears throat> that's what a lot of people that like film. Think of as a good movie. Absolutely. Yeah, How the, simple can you the, make the it? The monologue <laughs> movie, like character-driven, like movies, like to the film that shit really had hard. to be so exhausting too. Like for you to be the main one with that's all why of the lines. Viola Davis Ugh. is the beautiful essence of the support growing role. Help was the storyline of black women developing as characters. Yeah. Help within itself took you through a transformation of like. Awareness, action, outcome. I mean, the movie was just. I think the color purple did that first. I'm not saying that they didn't do it first. I'm just saying that, like, that's a good example of how black women can take things and make it so. Dream girls, right? I I just there's a. It's it's a value. I think anybody who can sing can have an extra value too. But I think the tough part for me now. Keep singing to me. Don't stop. Y'all are weird. Because <laughs> how we've been talking? Man, it's been like two hours. Two and a half hours. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, bro. You be out here running your mouth. You came in just going. Just like listening. Running your mouth. <laughs> I just like listening to you. It's, it's just the only way I get a chance to Listening talk to, you. to who? You've been the one that's been doing all the talking. Break down I've been listening the time to ratio. You. No, you've been I've talking. been listening to you. You are the diva here today. I, I diva I'm a, a diva. I'm going I'm I'm to say a, this, diva though. Devin. <laughs> Diva Devin, <laughs> I will say this: I have the least words out of both of y'all niggas. No doubt. Nah. <laughs> y'all been having conversations more than we've been having. Conversations. She get mad because I agree with your shit. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. I'm just excited to be around two individuals of which I, whom I love and look up to and respect. You don't look up to us, nigga. You don't even listen well, to our you. shit. You don't even. Li- you don't even listen to us. That's you don't even true. know what we be talking about. You don't That's even not, know what our platform that is, is not about. True. I'm a, a year. You agreed. You agreed to this shit because you, you thought you were yeah. gonna be the star. That's what it was. 
you agree to this because you knew you were gonna get stuck. In no form you of don't fashion. Listen. You don't listen to us. In no form of fashion. You don't listen to I us. I love the undergroundness. You don't know who we are. I think you have to create the villain so that you can feel comfortable about it. I ain't mad. I'll be the villain. Whatever you need me to be. A read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna sit in my water. <laughs> well, <laughs> Um, oh, and then y'all gonna do a review of this one soon. That's what I'm excited about. Oh yeah, we definitely gonna yeah. review this shit. We hey, love to shit. do that shit. <laughs> Did you know that he was a fun boy? <laughs> I, I, we have a caller on line one. Uh yeah. I'm about to be over there. So thank you guys for tuning in today to Suburban Pod. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at curvy brown girl and you can find me at a kid named juice some of our music today was provided by our good friend Corey battle you can follow him on soundcloud at djc battle new episodes available every thursday